Hi, I'm John Plesnick, and welcome to Train the Church, where we talk about training men for ministry in the context of the local church. This podcast is produced by Faith Bible Church in Murrieta, California, where I'm a pastor. And my name is Nigel Shaler. I've uh, been here, uh, part of the church, for going on s- sixth year now, I believe. And, wow. Uh, yeah, amazing. Just so thankful to be a part of uh, the church and the training center ministry, and uh, just excited to be here. Yep, my name is Chris Mueller, and I'm with my brother John and Nigel, and we've been here since the church began, except for those first two and a half years that John was the only guy. It's but, a lonely uh, time. It was a great yeah. time. All right, well, uh, the three of us together lead the training center, a three-year program for ministry training uh, at Faith Bible Church, set in the context of the local church. I serve as the director of the training center. We all contribute vitally to it in different ways. Last time we got together, we talked about the various methods used for training men for ministry. Some guys head straight to seminary. uh, Some men are thrust into ministry without any prep, and then there's that whole range of options in between between that we talked about today i want us to talk about our method for training men at fbc uh, just to share what we do and try to do our best to describe its strengths and weaknesses as we go along so chris if you had to say what the overall goal of the training center is how would you describe it uh very simply john is that uh, we're hoping to really mature men to a point where they actually discover god's sovereign calling in their life Uh, Every one of us is designed by God for his purposes and obviously created by God, then redeemed by him uh, to accomplish a purpose. In Acts 13, 36, as David fulfilled his purpose in his generation and then went home to be with his fathers. Ephesians 2, 10, uh, that uh, God has prepared good works beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, Just like Jeremiah was designed by God in his mother's womb to be a prophet, uh, we're designed by God to accomplish his sovereign purposes. And so if we can help a man through the course of washing him through the word, washing him through an understanding of ministry, discipleship, training, teaching, preaching, and all the different elements that are a part of a training process, then we can help them discover exactly what God intended them to be and get them down that road and ultimately accomplish God's purposes and glorify God in a very unique way. Plus, they edify others in the church family, um, and then then the whole church becomes more like Christ. So the goal, simply stated, is to help a man find his particular direction of life or purpose in life. And that means that we're not set apart or training them to be elders. We're not set apart to train them to be pastor teachers or to be deacons or to be key lay leaders but actually to be what God intended them to be. And so many of the men through the process discover that they're supposed to be going to seminary. And so then we'll advance them in that process. But when they go, they know they should go. And that's really the joy of this process is that we are actually helping men to determine that would be a bad investment for you to go there. You're really not intended to be a pastor teacher to get that additional training but they're competent to accomplish what God desired for them to accomplish. So it's that very specific focus, that bullseye target of what is their sovereign calling. And of course, character comes along with that and their ability to minister in a particular way comes along with that. And um, anyway, that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago and we talked about how your target 
determines your method for training. Right. And I think because our, our target is to help guys figure out what God has called them to do, our method is really pretty varied. Like it, it means that it changes every semester all the time as we're trying to help them sort it out. So it's interesting how in flux it is compared to most other training methods. Right. It's not a static, you know, you sit down, we lecture at you and you go away. We're, we're trying every possible way to help men to discover how they're put together. And you begin to see certain guys light up under certain forms of training. And you see certain guys light up under certain forms of content that we're actually discussing and working through. And so that helps us to kind of discover that as we are very varied in approach. Again, I like to go back to how did the Lord do it? You know, he lived with them. So every element of life was at play. And I think that uh, the closer that we can get to that in true discipleship and true relationship and centered on the word of God, centered on sound doctrine, centered on men who are investing into them and also investing into each other and a whole body that is investing into them and praying for these men and involved in their development, then that really does create a much more varied response. But like you said, we will do quizzes or exams or papers or presentations or debates. They'll read books. Sometimes one semester, I think we had like 13 to 17 books they had to read, which is crazy when you think about it. But once they get into the routine of planning their life uh, around this training process, it becomes achievable. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're talking about three years, really, of intense study. Uh, merges outside work, in-class work, and then really uh, practical expression in the church. So let's have a go at just practically, tangibly explaining, uh, describing what we do. Year one, Nige. Yeah, year one. Uh, is basically a focus on Bible uh, theology and practical theology. So uh, two semesters, the first semester is made up of entirely Bible. We go from Genesis to Revelation, and uh, the guys are memorizing and learning the, the basic uh, gist of every book of the Bible. They, they, they learn the themes of each book of the Bible. They learn a very targeted, specific ministry passages from every book of the Bible. And our goal is to have them get to the end of that first semester and they've got something like 500 ministry passages that they have learned and are able to apply to ministry situations uh, in their own lives and situations. So uh, that's really intense. It's a mm -hmm. lot of material to get through. Uh, they do it by uh, taking quizzes at home. So they, they read the material, they learn the material, they take a quiz before they come to class, and they have to pass that quiz uh, up to a, a level of 80% or be able to do that, and then they come to class and we, we go over the material again, we, we, we quiz them, we, we grill them, we run drills to make sure they've learned the material. And, uh, and then each week they add more and more to that. So it's cumulative hmm. and uh, it's relentless, but a, a, gra <laughs> a great, great time. They would agree on the relentless. Oh part. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so that's the first semester. It's a focus on Bible. They have a really thorough uh, understanding of the flow of scripture, not just to focus on each individual book, but even the, uh, the story of the Bible. Uh, the story of redemption flowing through the, the Old and New Testament, and uh, it's, it's really great. Then you get to the second semester, and uh, the focus there is going to be systematic theology to begin with, 
where really we're just going through the same material again, but now it's in a different order. <laughs> and uh, we, they get to systematize the, the ministry passages that they've already learned, but now in categories of theology. So starting with bibliology and then theology proper, and then we go through all the disciplines. And uh, it's really regurgitating the same material, but from a different perspective, trying to uh, systematize and uh, put these these uh, verses into some kind of order in their minds so that they can think through biblical theology in a really solid way. And so the, the, I guess the first two-thirds of that second semester would be focused on systematic theology, and then the last third of that semester would be practical theology where we talk about real ministry situations and uh, and uh, talk about some leadership and we talk about some categories of service in the church and offices and how the church uh, operates and so forth so very uh, very intense uh, really uh, thorough look at the bible and theology as it relates to the local church and to ministry in general so just a great great time with the guys yeah i think one of the things that's most frustrating maybe for guys when they first enter into the, that process is that as we encounter different issues, they don't get the answer right away. Because as you described how we hit it again and again through systematic theology, practical theology, even on into the future years. So when we encounter whether it's divorce or tongues or you know end times like there's not like we nail the issue mm -hmm. in one particular week but layer it over an extended yeah, time that's the word we use isn't it we mm -hmm. layer on and so yeah we even encourage the guys listen we say to them y you're not going to be thoroughly satisfied with our coverage of each each issue as we hit it but over the three years we're going to get there we layer on more and more of an understanding on each issue so that by the end they're pretty confident in what they've learned yeah which usually is how we actually learn stuff personally yeah. right like yeah. that it takes us time to process and work through it rather than completely swinging from arminianism to calvinism in one day because right. of one conversation mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting uh there isn't a week that goes by now that all three of us are not having to describe this process to someone so last Sunday, uh, a guy comes up and says, hey, tell me about this training center. It was incredible, these guys standing up who are graduating. And he was brand new, new visitor, uh, comes from uh, just starting a seminary and mm. wanted to know what, what this was. And he says, can I see your curriculum? So I had to explain, okay, well, this started way back when at the Master Seminary when it first began. And Irv Busnitz there asked me to teach the ordination practicum class, which was basically to prepare men for ordination, going through the Bible, theology, and the practical theology. So year one became the basis of that process for us. We've refined it um, and actually made it um, uh, palatable for a layman to be able to work through. So they're reading things that have been posted online that relate to the Pentateuch. They're reading books, a couple of them, uh, that relate to the Pentateuch. They're looking at ministry passages that we've laid out for them. They don't memorize the verse, but they memorize the concept and also the passage where it's located. And so they're working that through, and they're really grinding that through so that when they get to the test, they're ready to pass it at 80%. So we're getting them to do their work in their time. And again, this is directed at laymen 
So it means that they're sometimes working after the kids go to bed or before the kids get up, or sometimes if they get a little break at work, they're working it through. Sometimes they meet with other guys outside the context of our class. But when they come to class, it's not like we're going through a book with them. We're going through everything they've just studied. We're hammering it again and again and again, walking it through, making sure that, we, as we call it, the back pocket. You know, they can draw their gun out of their back pocket and they can give an answer, hopefully with the grace of Christ in a, in a very loving manner and the most appropriate manner, but the appropriate verse that would relate to the situation that they're facing. So we're giving them a, a concept of the overview of the scripture, the historicity of the scripture, the Old Testament, New Testament, the, the theme of redemption, the theme of Christ's lordship and headship and, and his kingship all the way through that whole process, but we're also trying to equip them so that when they run into somebody in their community group or some sort of ministry situation, they can answer and they can know all the passages in both Old and New Testament on marriage, all the passages that relate to church discipline, all the passages that relate to God's sovereignty, and they're ready to answer those as it relates to specific issues. And so they'll know where to go when there's a, um, a sense of witchcraft, or they'll know where to go when there's a sense of immorality. And they're going to know where to go in the scripture to be able to walk people through that. So we're preparing them to use this material. Um, and the process of it is all varied so we can scratch them where they itch. So Bible is a test and theology is papers that they're writing and working it through with others because that's what you usually do in theology. And practical theology, they're making presentations in class. We're getting them to do upfront stuff and answer questions and how they would approach things. So it's all of that kind of combined. Uh, again, the question I get asked, and I bet, bet you guys too, too, is, is, well, just show me your curriculum. And I'm like, wow, that's so hard to do because there's two books, there's stuff online, there's stuff that, that's going on in class, and there's interaction to discipleship, there's additional reading when they're off-center on a theological issue that we throw at them so that they have to really wrestle with the issue. All that's going on, so there's not like a set curriculum. It's a process of bringing them under a right hermeneutic, a right approach to the scripture, right sound doctrine, and we're working our way through that, layering through it all year long. Yeah. I think one of the questions that we get most asked by men who are going in the process or who are hearing about it and thinking about their application is, why do you go with the scripture that fast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> why do we? Yeah. Chris, you, you've gone through it slower. <laughs> yeah. And you we, don't advocate that anymore. So no, why not? Part of it was that, you know, theology is so vital, but knowing the scripture is even more vital and the fact that their theology would come out of the scripture. So what I found in the past is if I went through the whole year just doing the Bible, that by the time we got to the second year after a summer break or whatever into theology, they'd forgotten a lot of the Bible. It leaks out. It, yeah, <laughs> and of course there's so much of it in there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the passages that we have them, in a sense, put to memory, and again, not with sing-songy songs that they can regurgitate and then forget, they have to know this all along the way. So at the end of the semester, they've got to basically produce about a 60 to 80% knowledge on this whole thing and uh, everything they've learned. But we found that they would forget the Bible before they got to the theology, and we want the theology to come from the Bible. And so therefore we go through it quickly and deeply, and then we then hopefully drive it home with theology in a different way, and then even with practical theology in a different way. Yeah. All right. So 
that's year one in a really quick nutshell. I think we're going to come back into that as we talk about the future years a little bit more. Sure. So Chris, why don't you tell us just overview year two? Oh, year two is really a pastoral theology. It's an overview of really the role of an elder, the role of a pastor, the ministry of shepherding people within the context of the church. Sadly, in the church today, there are so many who are committed to preaching God's word. They should be. It's absolutely vital to the health of the church. But men are not really equipped well at pastoring, at doing all the other elements of what a shepherd does, uh, of coming alongside, of uh, bearing people up, of confronting sin, of encouragement, of loving the flock, and, uh, you know, in a sense, creating an environment where people can minister to each other through their various gifts and strengths and character, etc. And so we're trying to help men to understand pastoral ministry. And though they may not be an elder or they may not be a pastor, they need to understand how to minister to other people. Of course, their wife and their children, but also others within the context of the church and in the community to even evangelize. So we walk through a classic approach in the first semester to all the key passages that relate to the issue of pastoral ministry. So Ephesians 4, you've got Acts 20, you've got 1 Peter 5, you know, multiple passages. Every week is a different passage. While we do that, we teach them the a kind of an introduction to Greek, and we try to walk them through with a, almost a verb-driven understanding of the Greek language just to get them in the text. And every week they're exegeting the passage that's on the docket for that day as it relates to pastoral ministry and then all the a reading that from various pastoral theology books relates to that same topic so to explain the first semester maybe the best way to say would be that we're going to focus on the love of God so some guys are going to exposit all of them Matthew 20 and the great commandment to love the Lord your God and then they're going to get some knowledge on Greek. They're going to do a lot of reading on the love of God constraining us in ministry. They're going to do all kinds of um, discussion questions related to that. So they're going to show up to class. A couple of guys are going to be ready to preach or teach. And we give them a little format for teaching, a little format for preaching to kind of get them started. They all come with a little Greek definition. They come with an overview of the reading that they have done in writing and so they're ready to actually dialogue, discuss, and debate all that it relates to the idea of the love of God in the context of ministry and loving the flock in the context of ministry. And so that would be week one. That would be three hours of preaching, evaluating the preaching, evaluating the Greek, helping the guys to understand the languages. And each week we're reinforcing that. It's almost as if we actually throw them in the deep end of the pool and yell at them to swim. And so they don't even know how to swim yet, but we're kind of... Or to preach. Or to preach. Well, that's the point. Yeah. They don't know how to do any of this, but we're throwing them in and going, go for it. You know, let's do how, you know, yeah, I know you're going to suck some water this first few weeks or so, but eventually you're going to, you know, know how to tread water. And so then the next week will be Ephesians 4, and then the next week will be another passage. And then we're walking them through a basic introduction. And usually what I've heard graduates say is they start the year thinking I could be an elder, by the time they end the second year, they go, I'll never be an elder. Uh, and really, that's the right attitude. The right attitude is, I, I can't do this in my own strength. It would take God 
working through me. I have to be super dependent, know his word with a great fear of the Lord to even carry on in this kind of ministry. And then, so that would be first semester. Second semester, uh, we beef it up with actually working through a Greek grammar, which John, you bring to the table and uh, brilliantly, I might add, and walking them through kind of various elements of Greek as they're expositing now another passage. And then we do a little bit more classic pastoral uh, theology in the area of funerals and weddings and crisis management and counseling. So we're emphasizing those elements of it while we're going through, again, a passage every week, every week an exegesis, every week somebody preaching and teaching. So the overall emphasis of the whole thing is preaching, teaching, pastoral ministry, counseling, shepherding, and every element of shepherding. We even work through finances, uh, their giving, their budgeting of their own money, uh, their personality quirks, uh, how, they bring, how they present themselves. I mean, even people give a first impression. We actually work through when people look at you, are they, do they see a friendly face or do they see somebody they're afraid of? You know? And so being mindful of that so that you would then correct that as you deal with them. We've had some men who have come out of horrific backgrounds and they don't maybe have a lot of the social graces that normally come. And so we even work on that kind of thing. No, no, shake my hand, look me in the eye, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so we're working on every element so that they become more effective for Christ and there's less barriers in the way. I don't know, how would you add that the second year? Well, we, we should explain too that not everyone who graduates from the first year of training center automatically goes on to year two. Um, and that there are some requirements that, uh, that we have for them to be involved in ministry. They, they need to be plugged in and serving in the church in some kind of shepherding fashion. So, right. they, would, so they would be teaching four times uh, in, throughout that 12-month period. Uh, that would be discipling four guys. four guys. They have to be doing that on a regular basis mm -hmm. and then shepherding a group of 16. Eventually, that's your Eventually three. 16, yeah. Okay, so that means that they're, they're actually putting into practice the things that they're learning during that second year of training center. Right. Uh, and, it, and it means also that their education is not, not just head knowledge. It's not just theory, but they're putting rubber on the road. And it makes it real. So they come to class, and they've actually got real questions. They've got real situations that they're dealing with where all of this material can be applied, and uh, the discussions become very, very much an immediate situation in which it for, for us to help them. Yeah, yeah, and so each year of the training center, it's the same. So the first year, they have to be in a viable weekly ministry mm -hmm. so that we can keep an eye on them, and others can give feedback on them. And we... We listen to that not in the terms of gossip. We listen to that in terms of helping shape the man, you know, how he responds in certain situations. And because we have a church now that's in tune to the training process, we have people in our ministry, uh, lay people, who actually assist in this process of giving very definitive feedback, letting us know how they're doing. So in the first year, they're just committed to basic ministry. In the second year, they must be shepherding in some manner. They have to be. Otherwise, they can't be in the training center. And the third year would be then leadership. They have to be leading some ministry somewhere in the church, and not even necessarily in our church, but a church, so that we can then train them as we're training them in these areas. They're actually having to go, I, I, I have to have this information. I have to apply this. And they have an immediate application to it. Oh, I remember the very first training center we did at Faith Bible Church, we didn't require any of those things. Mm -hmm. And the 
the application and uptick of what we saw in the men changed radically once we began to compel the men to be involved in ministry as a part of training center. Uh, just suddenly it all was much more urgent and necessary to learn, and uh, they saw the relevance and application of it. Their questions changed. It was just a remarkable change as we did that. Well, it's, it's an ingenious idea as well because uh, teaching or leading the training center ministry means that we're busy doing that. Yeah, We invest time into putting on the training center it means we can't give quite as much time to regular ministry so that's where these guys they mm -hmm. fill the gap for us they do the ministry that we might uh that we're not otherwise able to do so uh we call them to that standard and f for the sake of the church it, you, you see the benefits of uh, just a, a group of guys now fully invested <coughs> and serving in the church it's a wonderful benefit to the to the local congregation it is it's it's strangely uncommon that more churches don't put their people giving them opportunities to serve mm. uh, and instead the pastoral staff tends to feel the either responsibility or desire to do as much as possible and to cover for the body in areas where they could really serve and grow and benefit and this is a prime opportunity where men in order to train need to uh, release some of their responsibilities to other men to do that so that they can pour in and then those men have an expression in the body that they wouldn't have otherwise. Well, yeah, and it's not that these men are always ready for the situations that they find that's themselves right. I was in. Say that's they're a generous <laughs> statement, actually. <laughs> I said, that's risky. You know, we, we yeah. take that risk. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we tell mm -hmm. them, look, you are now going to be the junior pastors of Faith Bible Church and you are no longer allowed to, you know, say, well, go talk to Nigel, you know, go talk to John, that you have to come alongside and help. And if you need help in that, we'll come alongside you, but you've got to do that. That helps them to accept the responsibility and the stewardship of this. And obviously there's a screening process for the guys that are coming in. So we have a pretty good idea that they're going to do okay in this. And they don't really get to that kind of ministry until about the second year. Mm -hmm. But at that point, we really want them to be responsible to step up and that we have a lay-led church and we want them to be leaders and that we respect that. We have leaders that are laity that lead our children's ministry, our junior high ministry, our, coll our, college, our college ministry. ministry. And singles ministry. Yeah, singles and, and, and all of our uh, community mm -hmm. groups. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, there's a sense of they're responsible and to step up and to lead in these situations and the congregation looks at them in that manner and there really is a truism that we're equipping the saints to do the work of ministry mm -hmm. but um there is a risk in that you know that they're not always ready they're not always ready but boy we really protect against the elitism of having some kind of upper upper echelon of of men who are the only ones who can do ministry right we've got regular people out of regular life situations who are in the process of being trained to be leaders and they're putting those skills into practice so uh there's a healthiness to the whole process we're not waiting for someone to be perfect yeah and those men really span the gamut of life situations and ages we have mm. younger older single married 
uh, retired, newly working, you know, no kids and lots of kids and, everything and having in kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and more kids, more kids. And yeah, more yeah, yeah. kids. We typically yeah. don't have anybody l now lower than 20. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we have, we tried that. We tried and found that <laughs> that was not as mm. fruitful as we'd hoped. And then those, you know, 18 year olds came back to us later and said it, it wasn't good. Yeah. And um, we've now asked guys to wait who've come back and said, that was really good that I waited. Right. So I think that has been a right decision. So we're learning as we go. Uh, it's, it's nice to have a man with a little bit more life experience before he enters into this process. Uh, but you don't want to wait too long. Um, and so if Spurgeon started at 16, I'm, we ought to at least be having that in the back of our head. Um, but ultimately, uh, we wait until there, there's a sense of uh, maturity and stability but we've taken anybody all the way up to what 73 has been our highest realm or raid mm -hmm. age mm -hmm. so yeah it's and the great thing is that we actually they, made it with, what's that we're glad he was still with us when he actually graduated <laughs> yeah. he hadn't graduated yeah. to glory yeah. but they're all investing into each other and really appreciate each other and, and and actually learn to appreciate the various age maturities and experiences mm -hmm. that they bring to the table yeah well year 3 mm -hmm. let me give a brief description of that that is uh it just as you don't naturally progress from year one to year two, you don't naturally progress from year two to year three. It is, uh, there's a real sense, I think, in which you could describe it as the top of the pyramid. Uh, it is focused on eldership and leadership particularly. And uh, we try to do a more, I think, refined work on their communication style and how they're best uh, suited to communicate to others. They are all going to be, as we already talked about, doing four men or more that they're discipling, four times or more that they're teaching each semester, and then a group of 16 plus that they are shepherding. We do that numbers mainly because of math. Four times four is 16. Just Works so for me. Yeah. Simple is better. We did four, six, 24, and that was a little too much to ask. So uh, four, four, 16. Uh, first semester, a lot of that semester is broken up into smaller groups that revolve around how they're made. Uh, that we're, as we're trying to progressively figure that out. So we have a preaching group, a teaching group, a counseling group. Uh, I think we've had maybe a, an evangelism or servants group in the past. Maybe, anyway, the, the key is really that we have men who are well suited to lead those areas. So they break up into smaller groups. They actually we meet as a large group once and then there's two weeks when those smaller groups meet and then we gather back together as a large group the work doesn't actually slow down but they have to even in their off weeks because they meet for two and then have one week off but they have actually probably more work than they did the previous year week by week and they're learning the self-discipline they're supposed to be learning the self-discipline of uh, time management. I think that's uh, the semester that. that we'll have anywhere from 13 to 16 books that they're reading yeah. at the same time. Just to see how you do with your yeah, time Yeah, and they, yeah. they do actually quite well, but they, they have been tuned and trained at that point. And, but it's still a test. I mean, it's still a discipline that they've got to work through. Mm -hmm. I got to comment on the four different groups, too, because I noticed something extremely effective uh, and fruitful out of those groups. What happened is the counselors came back uh, being trained under Nigel, and they were much more in tune to counseling than I've ever seen mm. them before. And the teachers came under a, a uniquely called teacher and did an incredible job at teaching. And the preachers trained under you, John, were they were, they were yeah. great. 
and much more competent. And I think when they begin to focus in, as we identify how they're put together and give them that focused training, it really causes them to kind of stabilize and mature and, and actually begin to grow again in another area. Mm. But uh, I, I love that year because it's all about leadership and it's all about what a leader is. And mm-hmm. it talks about character. We're, we're, you know, we're reading all the great leader books, spiritual leadership and Al Mohler's book, uh, Conviction to Lead, and others that are very, very effective in that process. Uh, it's, it's great. They also start to work on philosophy of ministries that semester, thinking about how, what, <laughs> what are the underlying foundations that drive what a church does and uh, what drives a particular ministry. So they have to write a philosophy of ministry for the church as a whole, a philosophy of ministry for a particular ministry. Uh, they begin to, we push them to think more about how they're built and write a personal leadership statement. Uh, and then they debate a lot. Do you guys remember that? Like yeah. they have so many debates and uh, that's entertaining. Well, yeah, because sometimes the wrong side wins. <laughs> yeah, I know. They win the debate though. Yeah, they well, that's because of the criteria. We say you have to present the best ex- exegetical case for your position and if somebody didn't prepare as well one group Mm -hmm. didn't prepare as well it's really frustrating when the right position (laughs) didn't prepare as well the guys are like oh man yeah so yeah it's a very interesting process because it actually drives theology again to a new level of conviction and where it moves from belief to conviction because they have to debate it they have to work it through they have to work through the contrary arguments and take a position on it and there are some men who debate the you know the the position that they don't agree with that doesn't agree with sound doctrine and they're resenting it the entire time which i i like that too you know Mm -hmm. that they're like i don't want to defend this position it has no foundation in scripture but the great thing is that in the philosophy of ministry we've found and i think it's universally true that there are more church splits over direction of ministry or philosophy than there is on doctrine and they need to know doctrine but they need to understand philosophy the why the what and the how of ministry and so we try to drive that home so they can identify when we're all dead and gone you know the next big thing that comes through well what's their why what's their you know (laughs) uh, what and what's their how how are they doing this Mm -hmm. and uh, begin to look at it in terms of comparing that to scripture being able to actually assess a ministry and see where it's off center uh, when it's not lined up with God's word. Another difficulty I think in ministry is when guys have not learned to work in a team context. Yeah. And so what we're doing is the guys are debating one another, sometimes in teams or they're preparing their arguments or even in the context I think of the year two uh, program, they have to meet in small groups and kind of get get some thoughts together. And we're forcing them to work as a team member. Some of the guys would say, well, I I can do this faster by myself. Mm -hmm. And that would be true. But the the point of us asking them to do this is that we've learned that if you're going to be an elder or a leader in ministry, you have to learn to to work with others and uh and that's a major factor in ministry and so we're forcing them to learn those lessons as they prepare to come and present to the class it'd be so great if more and more men who went on the mission field were able to work with other missionaries and understand their strengths and the strengths of those other people and then try to cultivate an environment where everybody's strengths are highlighted and nobody's weaknesses are that's not the case out on the mission field but we're trying to create and develop and see men that would then be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Second semester, we uh, focus in more on eldership particularly. Uh, we do a couple weeks on hermeneutics, revisit time management uh, for lessons learned, uh, and then dive even more into philosophy of ministry, having them contact outside churches and uh, basically ask questions and figure out what the philosophy of ministry is of another church. Yeah. Uh, and we assign the churches, which is really entertaining. Uh, they continue to do one last preaching or teaching session, just the kind of the culmination of that. And the, there's always a radical difference between when they started and when that one actually happens. Mm. And then the big thing that they all both love and dread is the ministry thesis. Uh, six plus chapters, 60 plus pages of work, uh, a guidebook, a manual, a study guide, a class or curriculum, children's curriculum, all kinds of different things, but that is designed, that takes a passion of theirs and is designed for use in the context of the local church. And uh, that is something that they have to work on, not over a couple weeks, but really work on over the whole semester. And we conclude the second semester with them doing a formal presentation of that ministry thesis. And they select the subject. Yep. And it has to be approved by us. Actually, it's uh, approved by the class. The, the whole class. group has to say, yeah, that's a good fit for you. Yeah, absolutely. And it is usually something that uh, the student is passionate about. Mm -hmm. And it is a good fit for their ministry and experience so far. Yeah. And we're interested in... Though we love scholarship, we want these ministry theses to be something that's used, something that can be developed. Uh, the great news is that one of our previous students just had one published as a book, uh, which is cool, and we're hoping that these will be used and available and accessible to people in the future, because there's some good work that they've done, and they're using it, some of them, uh, almost immediately in the context of their ministry. Well, it really does define some to a certain extent what their future ministry is going to look like right and gives yeah. them some direction because they put so much effort into this project yeah it's yeah great. absolutely so we've talked as we reviewed other training methods we talked about their weaknesses so i think about ours ours has a few weaknesses chris you already identified one you said people ask for the curriculum it's really disappointing when they get it because it's not a unified package in the way that they would expect it to look like. And I think a lot of that revolves around how our target is different than most. And so our method changes time to time, which makes it harder to encapsulate into just a, a set written curriculum. What would you guys say are the, some of the other challenges or, you know, downsides, weaknesses, risks well, to our method. And let me, let me not defend, but at least give a, an explanation to the, here's your curriculum. When you talk to the Lord Jesus, you say, where's your curriculum? He lived with the men. He modeled for them. He ministered with them. He sent them out two by two. He answered their questions. He prayed with them. He, it, was a, it was very life on life, very discipleship driven, very discipleship oriented, yet there's solid content. And so a lot of our content approach is, you know, there's some from the website, there's some through books, there's some through relationship, there's some through ministry, there's some through their home life, their church family, the outside and their outreach into the world. So that's really the curriculum. And so it doesn't fit a, um, a formal process. You know, they're not coming to class just to hear content. They're actually coming to class like it was a football coach training his team, getting them ready for the big game we call ministry. 
And so we're equipping them in every possible way. So it's not just practice on the field, but there's weight training, there's diet, there's all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that actually makes the winning team. So that would be part of it. Um, go ahead, Nigel. What's a, what's another weakness? I guess if someone was looking for like an accredited certificate sure. or deployment at the end, we're, mm -hmm. we're not accredited, uh, and so we're not able to offer that. Um, and we, I guess, we would argue that that shouldn't really matter. Like if someone is going to go on to formal training, seminary, and so forth after uh, completing TC, then we would recommend to do them to do that and 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 uh, and encourage them to do so. Um, yeah, I don't think we see ourselves as a uh, parallel experience to what uh, undergraduate or graduate degree is. Right. It's really, uh, I don't know what the right word is. It's like it's, we're not in competition with them. We're mm -hmm. uniquely focused to equip men to be effective in the local church. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, we're not trying to get a, a liberal arts degree. You know, we're not trying to equip them to be all pastor teachers who unfold the text every week. We're training them to be super effective men f in the context of a local church, whether here, another local church, or even internationally. We're trying to equip them for that. And so it's very focused on that. Um, and, uh, and it does strengthen a church. You know, some of our guys come alongside and help pastors and other churches, and they become very effective instruments in that process. So the fruitfulness of it in the context of the local church is pretty high, but it is definitely focused on the local church. Mm -hmm. Another weakness might be that we don't actually get to the bottom of every issue every time we encounter it. We mentioned that before. Yeah. So we're layering yeah. throughout the program um, and being very patient in, in forming uh, biblical conviction over time. So if someone's looking for quick answers on you know, the first few weeks mm -hmm. of TC year one, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I think, I think with that, we also, because we're layering, we don't go into the same depth that you would experience if you were just going a deep dive on one week on an issue. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, if we were studying the Imago Dei, uh, God, or man being made in the image of God, there's a lot more that could be said about that and that, that we could go into than we're ever able to cover in the span of it, though I think we'd help guys wrestle with those hard issues really well and talk about the core the core topics um, thoroughly. We don't hit all the secondary, tertiary, little, you know, smaller areas in some of those realms. Well, another weakness would be that not all the men go through all three years. Sure. It's bi built like a pyramid so that everybody can do first year. It's kind of year. a mix of a strength and weakness, isn't it? Yeah. So like that they don't all go through. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And then less the second year and then less right. the third year. That's intentional. The problem is, is in our layering, they don't get all the layers if they don't that's go true. through all the way that's through. True, yeah. And so it's like, you know, but we're, we're trying to catch them earlier when we begin to hear, they have to, you know, when they sign up immediately, we know where they are, they're at and all the various issues that would relate to doctrine, their eschatological right. position. Because the application form asks them all those questions. Correct. Right. So we know all that. Uh, some of them are undecided, though. So, and in being undecided, we force their decision by having them read certain things. Mm -hmm. But sometimes as they're formulating that, they're not as convinced after the first year as they would be after the second year. Sure. You know, because there's a lot more discussion of hermeneutics in the second year than there would be in the first year. And there's a lot in the first year. And so that might not drive that home over those various issues if they don't go all the way through the process. Hmm. And I think... Uh, 
again, it's, it's a little bit foreign. And when you talk about the training center to people, uh, we actually can talk about it with people and they'll listen and they'll nod their head and they go, that sounds intriguing, that sounds exciting. But until they actually see the process and talk to the students, they really don't fully understand. Most don't. And so we see a lot of light bulbs go on when guys visit and see it and then interact and go, oh. And they're seeing this being hit from all these different angles, input and content and study coming from all these different sources and then being reinforced in a discipleship environment with three guys that are pouring their lives into them and then guys who have graduated who are pouring their lives into them and then the fellow students who are pouring their lives into one another and then a church family that's interacting with each other over this thing. All of a sudden they realize it's a lot more intense than just a three-hour class once a week. Right. I think sometimes when guys come in and visit during the first semester of the first year, they get a little bit of a mistaken understanding of what TC is right? because that's the most academic, most parallel to seminary of anything we do. And uh, after that, it begins to more and more widely diverge from it. I right. imagine that could be a challenge for a church or a pastor who's wanting to implement something like this in his own context is that um, it's it really is that holistic view of training. It's not just the classroom time. Absolutely. And uh, so there would be a challenge. We understand that we all bring weaknesses, our own weaknesses, into the mix. Right. Mm -hmm. And the only safeguard in all of this is that hopefully as we come together, we, we balance each other out. Right. Um, so that's a helpful thing. That's why you want to have a multiplicity of discipleship and, and investment from lots of different people in the process. Yeah, and what we used to do in the early days when this was happening in Arizona before it came to FBC even, uh, there would be in the involvement of other pastors, not to come in and lecture, but to come in and guide and give input and then there'd be pastors from other churches. When we had men come from other churches, we would have one of their elders or pastors come alongside that would then mentor them in the context of their own church. So there's that element of discipleship that's occurring even in another church setting. It may not be as strong as a church would be if it's in tune to training. Um, when a church is in tune to training, their investment is much higher, but it can still be a great asset to them. Absolutely. All right, well, that, that's, a, a, I think, a quick, really pretty quick survey of our overall method. Well, I think we'd all agree it's not the right fit for every church and everywhere, but we're happy with uh, how God has fit us together and we, what we we've created here. We're improving, aren't we? We're we trying are. to we're tweak things and Every make it semester changes, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We're trying to improve it. But um, next week, when we gather back, I think we want to talk a lot more about that process to discovering a man's spiritual gifts talk about just that in general in the church as well as maybe how we facilitate that in the context of the training center uh, and how men know what God wants them to do with their life. If you want to catch that, make sure to hit the subscribe button on your podcast player so it automatically downloads future episodes of our show. Uh, we'd love it if you'd leave a review on iTunes. Both of those things help people find us. We also now have a website, www.trainthechurch.com. You can find show notes, other training-related materials there. Thanks for listening today. Keep investing into Christchurch. Church.